We join the client meeting to go over the numbers. Already in progress. The salesperson is talking. So, thanks for taking the time with me today to go over the business case we have prepared for you. When we work with our clients, we really try to show them the great results that we can bring. The customer is looking a little pensive at this moment, maybe even retreating a little bit. She doesn't respond. Undaunted, the salesperson presses on. So as we've talked about, we've had clients who have used this to dramatically increase their revenue through more effective search engine optimization. Today, your website is generating around $6 million in consumer sales. Our clients have experienced a 5% lift in sales as a result of our efforts. That, in your case, would be $300,000. The prospect is watching this all play out. Her bullshit meter is going off very loudly. She bites her tongue, but is clearly waiting for the other shoe to drop. The salesperson goes even further. So if you were to provide us a budget of $5,000 a month to manage that, over the course of a year, that investment would pay for itself five times over. The prospect starts to bristle a little, finally opening up. You know, I really just don't believe that revenue number. I know that you say you've done this before, but that just seems really high to me. The salesperson is now in dance mode, not entirely sure where to go next, but knowing that she needs to convince this customer if she wants to get this done. She presses even further. Listen, like we talked about, these are the results that we typically get. Don't you want those results? The customer, clearly now in a defensive posture, gets a little bit more firm. Hey, we've tried similar things before and not gotten these kinds of results. I know your approach is different, but how different could it be? I really don't want to lose money on this. We'll need to sit down together as a team on our side and think through where to go from here. And that's how your quarter-making deal is gone in an instant. How do you avoid this moment where they choose to separate from you? If you've been a partner the whole time, how do you continue that tone? What would they buy? You have to show them that it's worth the money, conservatively. This is Charlie, and welcome to Octane. Welcome to Episode 2 of the second season of Octane. In this episode, we will explore the financial puzzle and how to show someone in black and white terms that it's worth the money. Along the way, we will also explore together how to do this in such a way that does not sacrifice the emotional puzzle as well. Before we dive in, here's another word from our featured nonprofit, the Jeremiah Program. Hello, everyone. My name is Ezra Kenyanya. I am a volunteer manager at Jeremiah Program. Jeremiah Program is a nonprofit organization that serves single mothers and their children. Uh, we provide uh, safe and affordable housing, college and career track, early childhood education, 
life skills and empowerment classes, and lastly, we offer a supportive community. Jeremiah program started 20 years ago and has since grown uh, across uh, several states, and we have a total of eight campuses. Stay tuned. Uh, we'll be back on air to tell you more about Jeremiah program. So let's first talk about how different buyers buy. Crossing the Chasm by Jeffrey Moore is generally considered the definitive book on how markets form, and it provides a bit of a recipe on how buyers change as your products and services mature in their life cycle. If you've not read it, I highly recommend it. Even though some of the technology references are a bit outdated, the principles that ground it are tried and true. I have included a slimmed-down representation of the chasm diagram for your reference on Patreon. You can find it at www.patreon.com slash chackerson. It is an attachment to the post on Patreon for Season 2, Episode 2. Jeffrey Moore goes way deeper than this in the book, but here's the basic concept. The early adopters buy very differently than the majority of the market, where all the money is. Early adopters typically want to get the advantage before anyone else. The majority buyers usually wait until the early adopters sift through the market and make it safe to buy. When selling to a company, you have to consider the primary motivations of why ownership makes investments, which is exactly what you're asking them to do in either money or time. It is for either greed or fear. This is not a 100% black and white division, but generally I think of it as follows. Early adopters want to hear about the giant advantage you will give them. It will propel them ahead of their competitors that don't have it yet. They tend to act more out of greed. The majority, who typically wait until it's safe, will feel significant pain from the innovations of those early adopters. Again, not 100% of the time, but generally, I think of them as acting out of fear. Now let's think again of the scenario we explored at the outset. Many times, as I work with companies who are disruptive in the early market, they have been recruiting early adopters with fairly aggressive claims on results. These visionary people want aggressive. It works. But the problem is, is that those visionaries are only about 5% of the market. When they start to run out, salespeople run headlong into buyers who do not think out of greed, but fear. Instead of best-case thinking, they ask questions like, what's the worst case? Or, what's my downside? The way in which you present to the majority buyer is absolutely critical if you expect them to believe you. I envision that the scenario I walked through at the beginning is a very typical scenario if your company is trying to slingshot out of the chasm. So if you can't get aggressive to connect the dots with them, what do you do? You have to show them it's worth the money, conservatively. So how do you create the business case? Well, first you need to take a look at it and see what kind of business case do you need. And there's usually two kinds of pain that need a good one, revenue and cost. If you need a refresher on all the types of business pain, please have a re-listen of Episode 3 from Season 1. In revenue business cases, 
They're usually spending money to make money. In these, they're looking to show lift. If you spend money on this, will it more than pay for itself? In cost business cases, they are spending money to save money. That's more about payback. If I do this, how many months or years will it take for it to pay itself back? In either scenario, you need to show a good enough return for them to want to spend this money and go through this effort. As someone who has bought a lot of things, there is a lot that goes into this decision as a buyer, and I really do consider myself a majority or late majority buyer, maybe even at times a late adopter at this point. When I evaluate the investments that I make, salespeople are generally showing me very aggressive numbers. I want the outcomes, but the claims don't pass the bullshit test. Math is also my friend, so I can usually pretty easily dissect their case, and sometimes what salespeople show me is so convoluted that there are actually some pretty obvious errors in their math. So, here are your guiding principles in creating the ironclad business case for the majority. First, keep it simple. Only put elements into the analysis that you absolutely need to prove the worst case. Clearly articulate the additional benefits that are not in the numbers. When you estimate improvements, lead them. Don't ask them what they think. Learn by talking to your current customers about what you do for them. I'll go through how to do that in just a minute. But for now, imagine you have talked to enough customers who have admitted to you the improvements you've helped them make. Then take those improvements and dial them back. Learn to love the word conservative. It is your friend when you sell to the majority. It's how they buy. Okay, now I think I have a good, easy-to-understand business proposition that is based in reality but conservatively calculated. How do I show this in a way that solves the emotional puzzle as well? You have to show them that it's worth the money conservatively. So before we talk about the format of how to present this business case, let's go back to how you estimate the improvements that your technology makes. When you're disruptive in the early market, remember that you are first working with visionaries who are always looking to get the advantage before anyone else. If you have customers that continue to pay you money and use your products and services through at least two budget cycles, then they very likely will have a bit of a prepared speech about how and why you help them. Every budget cycle requires them to redefend all spend in such a way that they have got their talking points nailed. If for some reason they don't have them nailed, You'll actually help them by going through the following discussion. Find a few good customers that have been through a few budget cycles with you. You probably know intuitively which ones not to ask. It's also really helpful if the people you're talking to also knew the world before they bought from you as well. And keep in mind, the person who has to defend the budget cycle is typically the one who controls the budget. So you're probably going to be talking to power at some level to be able to figure out what, what you do for them. And when you do talk to the good ones, and I recommend that you do this in person, ask them wide-open questions. 
simple ones like, what do we do for you? What was it like before we worked together and how has it changed? What important business metrics have we improved? For the good customers, I think you'll be surprised as to how readily available this information is if you ask. Especially power. Some customers treat every conversation as a negotiation, and I wouldn't talk to them. But a good percentage of them will be simply open to talking about this with you, especially if you ask in a very partnership tone. Salespeople are often terrified to ask these questions because they fear the customers will go down a bad path. The good customers will want to talk to you in this way. And you're going to know who those people are. By engaging in this way, you will also change the nature of the relationship from being customer-vendor to much more of a partnership. Now imagine you have these answers. Not only do you have an ability to build a business case for others, you will also have all the awesome raw materials to build great customer reference stories in the format of Season 1, Episode 2. Okay, so how do you present this to clients, and what is the format? If you played the game called I Win, you created three criteria that they said they needed that only you do, and then you proved them. At the end of that proof presentation from Episode 7 of Season 1, there is a section called Financial Review. Having presented literally hundreds of these, I can tell you with perfect confidence that there is a way to do this that preserves the emotional puzzle. I highly recommend you follow this format. First, show the assumptions. Show the volumetrics for their situation, and in every case there are going to be certain things that drive not just your pricing, but also their improvements. Then show the improvements you propose in very conservative terms. Consider cutting the improvements you heard from your customers at least in half for the purposes of this. Well more if the numbers still work. For these, focus on clear, hard numbers and only put into the case those things that you need to make the case. Then, other assumptions you will show them will be the other improvements that they will get that are not in the numbers. Keep it simple, but do not forget to get credit for all of the other benefits they will receive. These are the softer, more circumstantial benefits, and they're not actually in the numbers that prove the case, but they are additional tailwinds that they will receive as being a customer of yours. After you walk through both kinds of assumptions, Get their agreement that this feels very conservative before you ever show them the bottom line outcome that you're going to create. In that way, you will give them a huge sense of relief. The emotional puzzle preserved. Then when you show the outcome, they've already agreed to it. All that remains from that point are the outputs of the laws of mathematics. When you show someone in conservative black and white terms that is really going to improve their world, not only do they connect the dots faster, but you save them time. Without you, majority companies would need to build this on their own. It will be not as good of a case, and it could stall your deal in a way that you missed the window to do this this year. Close more deals for more money faster. It's about showing that it's worth the money conservatively.
That's it for this month. Thank you so much for listening. Before we close the podcast, here's another message from our featured nonprofit, the Jeremiah Program. The goal of Jeremiah is to um, mo- help move families from poverty to prosperity and help break the cycle of intergenerational poverty. And we do this by providing the necessary support that they need to overcome the barriers that they face. Starting with the intake process, the families go through the empowerment class. This helps them to start envisioning and reimagining their potential. Once they complete the empowerment classes, they become eligible to move to the campus where they are provided with housing and their children become eligible to uh, be enrolled in the Child Development Center. While living at Jeremiah program, the moms are also given life skills training, which covers various topics such as financial literacy, uh, career development, health and wellness, and many more topics. These programs will not be possible without the support of volunteers. Annually, Jeremiah Minneapolis Campus uses approximately 1,300 volunteers who give a total of over 12,000 hours. To learn more about Jeremiah Program and how you can help, visit jeremiahprogram.org. There you will see the many ways you can volunteer and how you can support our work in the quest to help break the cycle of poverty. The results are clear. After graduation, the average starting salary of our moms is approximately $44,000 a year. The program is working, and we look forward to your support. Again, thanks for listening. If you have any questions, please feel free to message me directly. Also, I want to remind everyone of the free show page at www.patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, slash C. Hackerson. There you can find all the supplemental materials and past posts. This month, I've included the Cross in the Chasm graphic for your review. While you're there, please consider joining the community at Patreon. 100% of the proceeds go directly to the Jeremiah program, which helps single mothers break the cycle of poverty through housing, child care, and education like you heard today. They are truly making a difference in the world. If you appreciate the content, please consider joining the cause. For as little as $5 a month, it makes a huge difference. Thanks again for listening. Let's keep this community going. Ignite the spark and fuel the flames. Thank you.